Hello and welcome to the Maine Question Podcast from the University of Maine. We're glad you decided to check us out. I'm your host, Ron Lisnett. Well, there's an old adage that says you never get a second chance to make a first impression. That saying is getting a pretty serious test these days with people wearing masks during the pandemic. With half our faces covered, it's a challenge to communicate and connect with people. Can you really tell that someone is smiling just by looking at their eyes? Can someone be understood if you can't see their mouth forming words? Aside from basic communication, what does the wearing of a mask tell us about someone? Beyond the language that we speak, there's many other ways that people communicate. Those nonverbal cues and signs are the subject of the work done in Molly Rubin's lab at the University of Maine. She's an assistant professor of psychology. COVID-19 and the widespread use of masks allowed Rubin and her team to ask some interesting questions about how people communicate. They put together a study that looked at perceptions of people that wear masks versus those that don't. Specifically, how does mask wearing affect the perception of how friendly a person is, how intelligent they are, and how easy it might be to interact with that person? It's timely research that certainly examines one of the major recent shifts in how we all go about living our lives these days. Ruben recently shared some of the results of that work with us, along with two PhD students in psychology who also worked on the project, Morgan Stosik and Shelby Helwig. Thank you all for taking the time to talk to us. This is, if nothing else, a very timely uh, research topic that you are all involved in. But maybe before we get, delve into the specifics of that, let, let's maybe talk about some of the, the work you are doing in your facility, in your lab, big picture. You're looking at ways, as I understand it, that people engage in nonverbal communication. Can, can you take us through some of the questions and some of the issues that, that you've taken on and taken a look at? Molly, maybe let's start with you. So our lab is interested in social perception, the process in which we perceive others. And in that process, we have a specific focus on understanding nonverbal behaviors and how these different nonverbal behaviors influence our perceptions. And when we say nonverbal behaviors, we're really talking about anything from facial expressions to body movements, tone of voice, what people wear, and how all of those different cues impact our judgments of others. And we know that the face alone produces many first impressions that can bias our subsequent interactions with others. So for example, we have a new publication from our lab where we examined how physician photographs posted on a hospital website produce first impressions of how warm you think the physician is, how intelligent you think the physician is. And we know that these first impressions often rely on stereotypes since we don't have a lot of information other than those very first um, cues that we have access to. So when the pandemic started and face masks were worn in the US really for the first time ever um, by lots of adults, we started wondering what effect those face masks were having on people's first impressions and how these impressions differed according to the mask wearer's gender and race. If you could share with us what your end of this project was and what you're looking at in relation to your PhD or your thesis, or, or just what part you played in this, this whole scenario. Shelby, maybe start with you. I, in my work, study stigma and how that affects how we interact with others and our perceptions of other people as well. 
And so in this work, um, a lot of the, the research I was interested in is how racism and xenophobia may affect those perceptions that we're making of others when they are wearing masks. And I think for all of us, what we, uh, why we wanted to investigate how racism may affect perceptions of Black and Asian Americans in face masks is because there is this warranted fear that mask wearing mandates across the U.S. may lead to increases in racial profiling and racism towards non-white groups. Um, and it's pretty clear through the news and other research that's come out since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic that Black and Asian communities have been victims of racism and xenophobia during the, um, the current pandemic because of these long-standing and new stereotypes and biases that are associated with, the, with these communities. Because we know that mask wearing is so important to reducing and controlling the spread of COVID, we directly investigated the perceptions of individuals in face masks and how those perceptions differ by race and um, tried to then extend that beyond and study the factors which may reduce potential bias and racism towards Black and Asian groups as well. Morgan, what angle are you coming at this from? My research program is really interested in basically first impressions of other people and just on a really basic level, how we perceive others, um, because those perceptions influence a lot of different outcomes, whether or not it's who gets a job or you know, a diagnosis for a patient. And so when individuals started wearing masks, it was really interesting to me that wondering how when we block off half the face, what that could do to someone's first impression of others and whether or not those first impressions would then perhaps impact decisions we would make regarding whether to engage in an interaction with someone or buy a product for someone. Um, and so generally, I was interested in whether the first impression judgments of how friendly or how intelligent another is um, was impacted by face mask wearing. And so that's kind of the angle that I was interested in for this specific project is really how across all people, all races and genders, what are these face masks doing to first impressions of individuals? Molly, maybe you could talk to us a little bit about what was the big question that you wanted to confront with this mask study? I know you were looking at three different criteria, but maybe paint us the big picture of why you engaged in this project in the first place. As Shelby and Morgan have said, we were really interested in those first impression judgments. And it's a process that we make every day when we're walking down the street, when we go to the grocery store, we often don't even think about it when we make them, they're automatic. And sometimes even subconscious, unconscious level judgments. Um, so we wanted to ask three kind of specific questions that have already been alluded to. And that what is the role that face masks play on how friendly or warm um, those in masks versus not in masks appear, how intelligent or smart those in masks compared to those without masks appear, and how much anxiety or anticipation of how smooth an interaction will go with this person when they're in a mask versus when they're not in a mask. And we were all through all of this research, we are specifically focused on the context of the COVID-19 pandemic. So during this time with the COVID-19 pandemic in mind, how would you make a first impression judgment of these various photographs, which we'll talk a little bit about how we generated these photographs based on those three judgment criteria? 
How did you go about it? How, how was this study conducted? Back in March, when masks became a really common preventative measure, uh, we put out a call to the public, so people in the humane community, the broader Maine community, and even really all across the U.S., um, to take pictures of themselves wearing masks and not wearing masks and to upload these pictures to a large database that we facilitated here at UMaine. Uh, we collected over 150 photographs from individuals wearing masks and not wearing masks um, with permission to use these photographs in our research. We made sure that we collected these from a broad range of race and gender so that we could look at these two specific factors in our research. We then asked new perceivers, so individuals to take part in a study where they were shown these photographs from these database that we generated and we had about a thousand people come and take part in this study where they were asked to imagine interacting with the individual that they were shown the picture of in a different context. So whether that be meeting someone at the grocery store or buying a product from an individual. And they saw all of the images either of a person wearing a mask or of a person not wearing a mask. So they were shown about 30 different pictures of these individuals and then they were asked to make ratings on how friendly they perceived that person to be, how intelligent they perceived that person to be, and how much anxiety they would anticipate in a given interaction with that person. So for example, if they were to see this specific person on the street, how anxious would they be about engaging with that person in their interaction? We also asked these individuals to answer some questions about their own demographics. So, for example, how much they wore masks on a regular basis, um, how much they believed in the effectiveness of masks, and some other characteristics such as their political affiliation and religious affiliation and things like that. Are you still crunching data or do you have uh, results or takeaways from, from all of this work yet? We do have some results. So we've, we've got a couple papers that are under review right now. Um, we are no longer collecting any more data at this point, though we have talked about how we think some of these effects may change across the lifespan of the pandemic. So we are interested in that as a question as well. Um, but we're excited to share some of our kind of hot off the press uh, analyses and results today. Drum roll, I guess. What did you find? Shelby, you wanna go first? I'd say I took more of the lead on that aspect of the study that looked at the anxiety that we may anticipate during an interaction with another individual. And so when we walk into an interaction, people may expect to feel certain particular types of feelings. For example, they may expect to feel awkwardness or anxiety or a certain level of acceptance from the other person they're interacting with. And we know that on average, when we interact with people from a different group than our own, we anticipate greater awkwardness or greater anxiety or to be less accepted by that out-group member. Uh, and this whole phenomena is known as intergroup anxiety in psychology, that when we interact with individuals who are outside of our in-group, then on average, we anticipate higher intergroup anxiety. By using this particular measure, um, we were then interested to see if masks influence our expectations for the interactions that we have with members of people who are outside of our group. 
another aspect of this research that we were interested in doing was conceptualizing this like mask wearer identity um, and seeing if mask wearer is an identity that people have started to hold. So if we're in public and we decide to wear a mask, we may look at the other people wearing a mask as similar to us, and then they kind of become part of our in-group in that moment. We look at the other person and we think, that's another mask wearer. Because masks have become so salient while we're in public, this becomes a superordinate identity, as we would say in psychology, an identity that we think of above all of the other identities that we hold in that moment. So if I use myself uh, in that context, my identity as a mask wearer in public is more salient than my identity as a student in the same situation. Um, so when we're in public, people's mask identity may be more salient than their um, other identities, in particular within this research, we're interested in their racial identity. If we think about uh, an individual's mask wearing identity and their race, racial identity, our findings suggest that if you believe in the effectiveness of masks and you wear masks yourself, you're more likely to anticipate more positive interactions with other mask wearers, and that's regardless of the race and gender of the other person in the interaction. So basically people consider others' mask identity over their racial identity in that context. Was that surprising to come up with that result? Well, I think it's, it's really consistent with uh, literature and psychology looking at these superordinate identities, that if we call into our mind an identity that we all share, then that may overcome some of the identities that are different between people. Um, so that particular finding is, is consistent with past uh, literature and psychology. Now, since you study nonverbal communication, what, what kinds of modes of communication do people turn to when they have to wear a mask? What, what, what else are they using to, to communicate? Because the mask blocks half of the face and we, we tend to look to the mouth, especially when people are talking, because it helps facilitate our ability to process language and understand what people are saying. Um, I've anecdotally seen people um, compensate for that lack of the mouth region, looking really specifically at the eyes and trying to figure out, you know, are there crow's feet around the edges of the eyes that are showing some type of positive affect um, and relying more on other types of communication like gestures, even tone of voice and intensity. I know a lot of people have had to speak up during the pandemic because when you have a mask, it does muffle your voice quite a bit. I really think we need to rely on those other cues when we're making judgments of others and we're trying to interact and communicate with others. And one of the things that I've been a big advocate for is showing positivity and friendliness in other ways besides that smile. Um, you know, waving to the stranger on the street or just giving a big hello is really important during this time of disconnection because so many people are at home just not having those social connections they usually do. Morgan, for your work and specifically, what, what takeaways or results uh, have stood out for you? So I was really excited about the results that we found for the papers that I've been writing up because they were actually counterintuitive to what we had originally thought we were going to find. I was expecting that first impressions of individuals would actually be worse um, for individuals wearing a mask. And by worse, I mean that people would pr be perceived as less friendly and less intelligent 
because you are blocking so much of the face, you're not getting access to those cues, such as a friendly smile. But what we actually found and what I think is really exciting research is that masked individuals were seen as more friendly and more intelligent in our data. And this was regardless of the race or the gender of the person who was wearing the mask. So no matter what gender or what race you are, you're going to be seen as more friendly and more intelligent when you're in a mask versus when you're not. It was also interesting to find, though, that this was the most pronounced for people who were white. And so even though across all races, wearing a mask makes individuals look more friendly and intelligent, it made white individuals seem the most friendly and the most intelligent out of everyone. And this was regardless of who the perceiver was or the person who was making those judgments. So if the person who was making those judgments was white or whether they were black or Asian or whatever race they were, they were still seeing white individuals as the most warm and the most friendly when wearing these masks. So I thought this was a pretty interesting finding to come out of our research. Molly, for people in the mask wearing versus the non-mask wearing group, they come together with like-minded individuals, but is there a larger rift that has come between those two groups? I don't think our data can necessarily speak to that. I know within the political realm, there has been much discussion about mask wearers versus non-mask wearers. What our data really suggests is that um, for mask wearers only, there seems to be this superordinate identity that Shelby's talked about, um, where there is kind of this more positive anticipated interaction when you believe in the effectiveness of masks and you're about to engage in an interaction with someone in a mask. So I think it does bring mask wearers together to some degree, but I can't say for sure that it divides mask wearers from non-mask wearers per se. Now, I don't know if your work would have led to any results that might help us answer this question, but are there factors that lead someone to be more likely to wear a mask, whether it's belief in science or uh, willingness to really protect others' politics? What, what, what might go into that decision? Yeah, I can speak to that a little bit. So we do have a lot of demographic data from our individuals who completed these judgment ratings. Um, and so we do find that there are a lot of factors that play into how likely someone is to wear a mask. We do find that females in comparison to males older adults in comparison to younger adults, black individuals in comparison to white individuals, urban dwellers in comparison to suburban or rural dwellers, and more politically liberal individuals are more likely to wear face masks during the COVID-19 pandemic. But beyond these simple demographic factors, we also find that individuals' own belief systems are some of the biggest predictors of whether they want to wear a mask or not. So specifically, the more one believes in science and the more one believes in the effectiveness of a face mask, the more someone is likely to wear a mask for themselves. So this suggests it's really important to focus on these belief systems and increase the public's trust in scientific research and the recommendations that scientists are giving the public in order to get individuals to start wearing more masks. Maybe the, all three of you could respond to this, uh, but big picture, what, what are your findings? What do you think it tells us about where we're at here in 2020? Maybe, Shelby, let's start with you. I would say, particularly in the U.S., wearing face masks is new and our attitudes towards wearing them are very new. 
the way we think of ourselves as a mask wearer versus not a mask wearer is not really an identity that people would have held before 2020. So I view this project as the start of investigating people's attitudes towards masks and the perceptions of people in masks. And it's highly likely that as the pandemic progresses and as the country progresses, um, we'll start to see perceptions of masks will change and um, the biases that color our perceptions of others, mask wearers or not mask wearers, will evolve with time throughout um, 2020. Morgan, your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. I think that the the pandemic is something that's really new to us and we adapt really well to what's going on around us. And so throughout this entire process, people have been really changing stereotypes that they've been relying on. They've been creating new stereotypes. Um, and a lot of these stereotypes are around mask wearing. And so people, as they continue to progress through this pandemic, will likely be changing a lot of their preconceived notions about, you know, other individuals and what is and what is not safe to do. And so I think it's a really interesting time to be a scientific researcher because we're basically finding that a lot of the preconceived notions and ideas that we have are consistently changing. And specifically when we're measuring things could be different the next week or the week after. And so it really is a, an unstable time, but a really scientifically fun time to be, to be here in 2020. Molly, masks could be with us for quite a while to come. It, it, you know, that's certainly a possibility. So what are your thoughts about what all of this work tells us about where we're at? Masks have almost become a, another fashion statement for some. People are able to show their personality and match their outfits with masks. And so I think as masks become more common and they become another part of your wardrobe that people are used to seeing, they'll probably have less of an effect on the stereotypes that we're seeing right now. Um, we did collect this data back in June. Um, so it's likely to even already have changed um, based on the way that we're interacting with others in public in masks. As Shelby and Morgan said, it's, it's a really exciting time to be studying these, these stereotypes, these first impression judgments. I think in general, our findings do suggest some really important positive outcomes of wearing masks, that it's not impacting um, the way we perceive people in a negative way. And in fact, if you believe in masks and you wear them yourselves, it's likely to create more positive future interactions with others in masks. Um, so if we can use that as a take home message and continue marketing campaigns and public health campaigns that focus on that common goal of really decreasing the spread of the virus through these preventive measures of wearing masks, um, I think we'll get through this a lot faster and we'll keep each other healthy and safe. This is certainly timely research that's looking at something that's going on around us every day. So how might you take this into classes at UMaine with psychology students or research projects? It's a good question because, you know, coming into this fall semester, a lot of us as teachers and professors were really concerned about how we would be viewed in masks by our students. We were nervous about that impact that wearing a mask would have on our student evaluations or our communication ability. Um, and I think we're excited that our findings are suggesting that these perceptions of teachers in masks 
are likely going to be more positive than we had originally thought, that professors or teachers in masks will likely be seen as more friendly and more intelligent than perhaps when they're not in masks. Um, and obviously this is a mandate on the University of Maine's campus that we are in masks. So it's important that um, we're seeing these positive effects in our research. Regarding that broader Maine community, I think, as I just alluded to, really focusing on these public health campaigns that put the common objective of keeping Maine and the larger U.S. and even world community healthy and safe, um, as well as educating the public on the science behind mask wearing, the effectiveness of mask wearing um, will not only increase the frequency of wearing masks, but it will also create these common identities that ultimately should reduce the instances of bias that we're seeing um, happen across the US right now. Final thoughts from all three of you. Has this been a satisfying project to be part of? Morgan, maybe let's start with you. Yeah, it's been an incredibly satisfying project to be a part of. I think that the engagement that we saw from the broader public in generating that face mask database was really exciting and something that we don't often get to see as researchers, but basically the coming together of community members to support the scientific research was really exciting and something that's pretty new since we're normally kind of limited in the people that we get to interact with as researchers to either our specific research team or undergraduate students who are participants in a lot of our research. So I think it was really wonderful to see a lot of people reaching out and being really supportive of this research initiative and being able to come up with research questions that are really impactful and could really have potential to change a lot of public health policies um, is something also that is not always so in the forefront of our minds as researchers, but given the um, kind of critical health crisis that we're facing as a, a community and as a world, it was really exciting to be part of something that could have such large and such lasting implications. Shelby, your thoughts? I equally agree that this was an incredibly satisfying project to be a part of because uh, it was really an opportunity for us to meet the challenge of a lot of new research questions that were coming from a massive shift in our um, culture of uh, deciding to wear a mask versus not or being forced to. So the opportunity to be able to have University of Maine and us three be able to contribute to answering some of those questions that were um, plaguing the minds of uh, the world was definitely a really cool opportunity. And I think that um, our work is really positive in showing that uh, alongside that masks are effective in, in uh, controlling the spread of COVID, that in the context of the pandemic, they also um, won't impact perceptions of, of, of yourself negatively. Molly, I'll give you the last word. Yeah, when we started this back in March, you know, we really didn't know how long we were going to be in this world of mask wearing and in this world of disconnection and staying at home. And it, it's 
still very uncertain what our future will look like. But as you said, Ron, you know, we're going to be in masks for probably quite some time. So understanding how these processes work and the stereotypes around them will be really important to see how they evolve and change as our culture changes through this. We know that COVID-19 has changed our world and us as humans forever, right? The virus doesn't necessarily discriminate based on age or gender or race, but it has impacted various groups disproportionately. And I think our hope is that by working together towards this common goal of reducing the spread of the virus, talking more about the importance of wearing masks, the science behind wearing masks, and that wearing masks actually doesn't make you appear in a more negative way. It actually does the opposite and may create a more positive impression um, that we can keep each other healthy and safe and socially connected and reduce these incidences of bias and discrimination at this time. Well, it's fascinating and timely work, and I want to thank all three of you uh, for, for sharing it with us. Thanks, Ron. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. The work they did will continue on this topic, and we'll try and circle back with Molly and her team if and when they have new findings. Thanks for tuning us in as always on The Main Question. If you have questions or comments, drop us a line at mainquestion at main.edu. Our series can be found in a bunch of places, Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Subscribe if you feel so inclined. Until next time, this is Ron Lisnett.